Two COOs is a podcast where phenomenal chief operating officers from all sorts of companies come to share their insights, advice, and crazy stories. She opened the door. I was like, here are your suitcases. Have a great day. She was like, you're bleeding from the head. I was like, oh, I, I think I'm fine. So much blood pouring out of my head. She was like, please, like, let me call you an ambulance. You need to get to the A&E. You need to get to the emergency room. So I got to the emergency room. I was, they did all kinds of tests. I didn't know my name. I didn't know my birthday. <laughs> and the whole time I'm like, what? Hello, and welcome to Between Two COOs. I'm your host, Michael Koenig, and I'm excited to welcome our guest, Allie Flater, Chief Operating Officer at SimplyWise, a fintech company that helps people take control of their financial data. In addition to SimplyWise, Allie has started a number of other successful businesses and chairs You're Out, Europe's largest LGBT plus business conference. Welcome, Allie. Thanks for being here. I'm excited to have you on. Thanks for having me, Michael. So, you're a two-time COO, first in the travel industry and now in fintech. How did you end up as COO? What was your path? And then maybe can you tell us a little bit about the industry change from travel to fintech? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, I had the very typical route to COO. I studied Latin American poetry in college. Um, I then became a political speechwriter. Um, I then served as chief of staff at an NGO at a think tank that was based in New York. Um, I then did an MBA where I started a British travel company and then rather naturally transitioned to a fintech COO. Yeah, totally typical and traditional. I'm, I know that there are tons of other COOs that have done the exact same thing. Yeah, it's definitely definitely the, the regular route. Um, but I do, I think I'm quite suited to this early stage startup COO because I am very much a generalist. And you know, being at an early stage company, I think everyone is in a way a generalist, but I do think that is the most true for a COO. And I think that has been the one constant um, through everything that I've done. Interesting. So in terms of being a generalist, what areas have you found yourself gravitating to more in terms of your specific skill set? Because COO can cover a lot of different things. Yeah, I think it's a really good question. When I first came on to in my current company, when I first came on to SimplyWise, um, our CEO, Sam, brought me onto the team and I said, what do you want me to run? Um, and he was like, well, what do you want to run? And so we kind of went through the different verticals and he was like, what I would really love to have you do is accounting. And I'm kind of writing this in a notebook and finance and maybe HR. Are you good with HR? Sounds good. Customer support. Could you do customer support? Sounds Yeah. Recruiting. Recruiting. Could you do recruiting? Human resources, maybe legal. And actually, it would be great to have you help out with product and maybe some business development too. And so I'm writing down everything. And I was like, so the business, <laughs> what would my title possibly be? Um, and he was like, what do you want it to be? And we both agreed that COO was probably the best catch-all term. Um, so I assumed that my, um, I think like what I am good at and what I felt like I would be doing uh, when I got in is really the internal operations. I assumed that that would be, um, like I would just be focused on making the business run, on you know, making the gears run. And um, what I wound up doing, I was, as I was just telling you, Michael, what I wound up doing um, in my second or third week um, at the company, I wound up getting really involved in SEO. Um, and a big part of our SEO work was in PR. We were doing a lot of public relations work. And then by, I think it was within my first month, I was doing interviews on like local Fox stations and with um, like local radio shows. 
Um, so nothing like what I thought I would be doing. Pro and frankly, like very far outside of my skill set. But I think at the end of the day, that's actually like, that's probably what I wind up gravitating to is anything where I can be learning a lot um, and needing to learn quickly to make something happen. So yeah, running the business, essentially. Yeah. Pretty much all aspects <laughs> of the business, save maybe engineering there. And you touched on a lot of the the usual ones, which is GNA, which usually includes finance and business development. So sort of the go-to-market aspect of this. Has your role changed over the growth of the company? I would say definitely. I think, uh, I'm curious what you would say too, uh, Time Doctor, but I feel like my role changes probably like every three to four weeks. Um, and in some ways, like there are definitely some constants, you know, like I'm always sort of, I'm always doing um, stuff around like finance and accounting. There's always kind of recruiting going on um, in a startup. There's always some like legal piece to what I do, but I did, I wound up spending like most of my, I, so before I came to SimplyWise, I think I spent about a week or two trying to do prep work to run the internal operations of this business. Um, so I spent most of my time in our QuickBooks trying to uh, clean up the accounts and um, reconcile and use all of that to formulate a budget. Um, and I assumed that a lot of what I did in my first few months would be, uh, you know, like developing that budget out, making sure that um, things looked good with the CEO and and using that to kind of pave the way forward and help develop a strategy for the business. What I actually I think Sam and I spent maybe 10 minutes of, the, of my first day going over the budget. And then he was like, right, what I really need you to work on right now is SEO. You know, like we really like that's, you know, that is our growth focus. And, and I was like Googling, what is SEO? And um, so I literally, quite literally spent my first month like trying, like trying to make myself an expert, learning everything I can. And I took like a general assembly weekend course or something at some point, trying to school myself up and, um, and literally spent like half my time writing, um, like doing back to my speech writing, um, writing out blog posts and the other half trying to figure out how to get them out into the world and link build. And we, our strategy wound up changing from SEO after probably about like six to eight months. Um, and so that be gradually became less and less what I was doing today. One other constant I had though throughout my role was I was always where again, where I thought I would be kind of internal operations focused. I actually spent a lot of my time um, and I continue to spend a lot of my time talking to users. So I spend a good portion of my time doing like what I would think of as more like a product role, like doing user interviews, talking to um, like potential users, talking to our current customers and um, using that to inform a lot of how we build the product. Um, and I, I would say that that has been a constant for me throughout, along with some of the internal ops stuff. But in general, like day to day, as the product shifts, as our marketing strategy shifts, so much of the role changes. And you tend to find that a lot with early stage companies where you have to wear a lot of different hats, where the strategies can change. How do you find the constants though? And then at what point do you start to think and look at how you as a COO are spending your time and say, right, time to bring on someone who can do this better than me? That is a great question. Can I turn it back to you and ask like, how do you find the constants? How do you think about that? Sure. I mean, we can turn the table here. That's totally fine. In terms of finding the constants for me, and I think it's probably different for companies of all stages, but the common thread would probably be the long-term vision of where you're going. So having that flag planted somewhere and looking at the different milestones that you have to hit along the way, and certainly those milestones the tactics used to accomplish those milestones may change, in my opinion, but at the same time, you still know where you're going. So you have that constant 
And in terms of when I decide to bring on someone to do a job better than me, usually it has to do with how am I spending my time? Is it really worthwhile doing XYZ that we could perhaps get someone who is less expensive, but has more experience in doing this? And then looking at opportunity loss, where where could I have spent my time? And then kind of look at it and go, okay, right. Time to bring on someone. Let's invest in some people and start to build this for long-term. Yeah, I love that. How do I find my constants? I would say, so one of the first things that I did um, in my first week, besides Googling what is SEO and trying to trying to figure out how to make that happen, was that I sat down with our CEO and I said, and we didn't have a mission for the company at that time. Um, and I was like, it feels, this feels like a really critical thing like before we think about hiring, before we think about like going much further in the business, that we nail this down together. And so it was something that we wrestled with, I think, for like our first like two or three weeks in the company. We wound up, everyone was a part of it. We even had like some of our contractors who we were close to, like helping us out with some of like the exercises that we ran around it. Um, but being able to come to a mission altogether was something, you know, we had a vision for the company, but coming to like a mission, like so, so much more of like the why we are here and like the bigger, like the heart, I think of it as the heart behind what we're doing, that I found is something that I, that like that has been a constant for me. Um, and for the team and something that like we refer back to in like almost every week, um, sometimes every day, um, it's been something that like keeps me grounded and keeps me focused when it's really hard when you're zooming in and out. Um, and that's challenging. Um, the other thing is, and I know this isn't necessarily the case for every COO, it is more of a product hat, but is like being so close to our users, being able to talk to our users every day. I think it's something that regardless of where I wind up in the company, and I don't necessarily know if that will always be the COO role. It's something that I would love to have as a part of my role because as our product has shifted and changed um, and wind and so doing as our users have kind of shifted and changed, being very close to them has also been like kind of kept me grounded and been a very focusing constant. Like there is someone that I'm serving and I feel very aware of that. And that helps me even like within the internal operations, like helps, you know, keep me, um, keep me centered. In terms of when to bring someone else on, I think I'm thinking about that constantly. With every responsibility I have as I'm going into it, I think about what is the ROI here? You know, like, is is this worth my time? Is there someone who could be, as you said, is there someone who could be doing this better? And so, like, for example, one thing that I've been I've been working on, but it's at currently taking up about 80% of my time is customer support. Um, I am spending almost every day of the week. I'm spending Saturday nights at, you know, I step out of dinner to take a, a customer support email or, or a customer support call. I'm spending a lot of my time doing it and I really love it. And as I said, I, I love being close to the users. And in a way, I've, I've been finding it kind of hard to give up, but I've connected with some other customer support um, specialists and they're like, it's time, Allie. Like, this is not your primary role. It's time to hire someone new. Um, and so I've, I found it weirdly hard, but at the end of the day, I know it's not the right use of my time and there is, I would be able to find an expert um, and someone who could be dedicated to this and really take it to the next level. Support is tough. It's often a thankless role as well. I remember the first time that someone cursed me out from support. It was in 2007. I remember it to this day, everything about it. Man, that is tough, isn't it? It is really tough. 
tough. It is really tough. I had like, I learned early on, Michael, that I cannot take anything personally. And I also found that as soon as you tell, so I now introduce myself and support emails, especially when someone's upset. I'm like, Hey, Michael, I'm Allie from the team. I hear you, you know, and just introducing yourself, letting them know there's actually a human there. Every single time I get a response. Oh, I'm so sorry for all caps. I didn't realize there was actually going to be someone who responded to this email. Yeah. So you, you spoke with some of your support friends and they told you that, hey, it's time. If you're stepping out of dinner and handling a support email, time to bring on someone else. So in terms of building your team, how are you going about that? What are you thinking about in terms of hiring? How about location? Are you all going to remain remote or are you going to go centralized? How are you thinking about this? Yeah, it's been a huge challenge for us. I am someone who is, I really need to be around people or like on a very personal level, I need to be around people. It's where I get my energy. I always find like, I, you know, it, it killed me to be home during the pandemic, but um, our team has become kind of distributed like sort of naturally in the pandemic. Our CEO had a baby, our CTO wound up needing to move to Boston um, to be with his partner. And so we've just kind of become distributed. So what we are doing right now is we're meeting in person every two weeks and we do um, like a day of work and then we do dinner. It has been really nice, but I will say like from my part, from my perspective, it is challenging. Um, and so it's something that we have been wrestling with. I do think I, I've been talking, I've talked to other COOs. I'm curious what you have to say on this too, Michael. But the one thing I've heard over and over again is just, it's important to be deliberate about whatever choice you make. So even if it's right now, like we're in this kind of gray period, like being very deliberate from a cultural perspective of like exactly what we're going to do. Like while we're not really sure if we're going to at some point transition to being you know, like back in person or back in person two or three days a week um, or fully remote, like while we're in this gray period, at least like make it, you know, make a decision. Okay, so right now we're in this great period and here's what we're going to do to set aside time to you know for play or set aside time for lunch or you know to do a jackbox game or whatever it is but actually like carve out that time and be you know be be thinking more actively about the structure that you have right so giving some clarity at the very least it sounds like that's something that you have found to be key during times of uncertainty for your team yes yes yeah, yeah very much very nice. Very nice. And in terms of maintaining clarity in an early stage company, you it's that famous word, you end up pivoting all the time, whether it's product, whether it's your strategy, which it sounds like you all certainly have iterated on your go to market. How do you maintain that flexibility while still maintaining certainty on the team? about where the company's going and how you're getting there? Mm, it's such a good question. No, can you tell me the answer to this? Because I have no idea. What I think the key is, is, is always communication. I think, and my, um, when I worked in the think tank, we, um, we purchased another, um, another organization. So we had a, a merger and acquisition and it was a very like fraught period. It was very confusing for the people that we were acquiring. It was confusing for like some of the overlapping teams within, like, do I have a future here? What is the, what, what do these two organizations now look like together? And what we found was over communicating on everything to the extent that, that we could was the only like real fix, um, in a time of uncertainty. I think that's especially true in an early stage startup where like, there is no, there is no like real roadmap. There is, you know, or you have a roadmap, but it's changing every day. I think like just communicating as much as possible 
um, with people up and down the organization. And I think that doesn't necessarily just happen in all hands, but a lot of that is ha like happens one-on-one. Um, -on -one. And then, you know, like you build up trust, you get people on board, and then you're communicating things as a group. Um, but I think like getting that communication right is key. That last part, getting that communication right. I wonder, do you ever run the risk of creating uncertainty by over-communicating? Because you're constantly evaluating different scenarios. And how do you maintain that sort of semblance of certainty when you're facing uncertainty? Yeah, I think it's a really good question. Again, like truly, I am curious to hear what you what you would have to say on this. I'll tell you the way that we've been dealing with it, which is it's hard because I think like there are um, on our team, there is definitely a divide. And I feel this too, that um, you know, like it feels like we know we're at the early stage. We know things are moving and shifting around so much, but there is, there's also this sense of like, it just like the, the ambiguity can feel so overwhelming at times. And, and what we've noticed is that like, just like having a conversation and talking things out and being kind of stream of consciousness with the entire team, like that doesn't really work. It's better to have some of those like conversations, like either like at the leadership level or just kind of, or keep them or even like, or even for a subsection of the leadership level to keep things kind of like isolated while you're sort of working things out so that you can have more, like one more unified message to the team. Even if that message is like, look, this is where we are right now. There is some uncertainty, things are changing, but like helping guide people in one direction, it does like, that feels pretty critical. But what has been your experience in that? I do agree with you that there are certain things that have to be done behind doors and behind closed doors, that is. And that has to do with presenting a unified front as a leadership team, I think is, is very important. So one of the questions I love asking, we've all had those moments as COOs where you wake up and you go, well, never thought I'd see that. Does one come to mind that you can share with us? Um, okay, one of my craziest actually is when I was so I was running this luggage delivery service in London, and it was like a last mile delivery service. So we would pick up your bag from your Airbnb or from the airport and deliver it to one or the other. Um, so that you didn't have to lug it around on your day of travel. And the um, and I was, you know, essentially the COO in that company. And um, so I assumed that I would be spending most of my time on strategy and our model and the deck and everything internal ops. And of course, that wasn't the case. And we had a lot of trouble. It was a two, we started off as a two-sided platform. We had a lot of trouble recruiting um, drivers and especially good drivers who would provide a real, a real white glove service because it's a high trust, you know, transaction to take someone's suitcase from them that has, you know, all of their stuff. So we wound up for our first, I want to say for our first, maybe like 1000 bags, I delivered a large portion of those bags as did my co-founders. And I had at one point, I think it was probably in our first hundred bags. I was um, delivering some bags from Heathrow Airport to, um, sorry, maybe to Chelsea in London. And I had gotten to, I had gotten out of my car and there was a set, like a long set of stairs I needed to get up to, to deliver the bags to their, to the customer. And there were two really, really heavy bags. And they were some old, like design, like old mulberry designer bags. Like they didn't have wheels, nothing. It was just like really heavy. And I'm a smaller person and I got, I don't really remember the whole thing. I think I got halfway up the stairs and the next thing I remember, I was down at the bottom of the stairs with the bags on top of me. Like, oh my God, like one, what am I doing with my life? Like, how did I get here? <laughs> these bags, like I have an MBA, like these bags are on top no. of me. 
Like, why am I taking no salary? What am I doing? I'm just sitting at the bottom of the steps, like with these two suitcases on me. And then I was like, you've got this, Allie, you've got this. And so I somehow, I don't know, I, this part, I kind of blacked out. I brought, I somehow got the bags up to the customer. And then the next thing I remember, the customer was like, um, she was like, (laughs) she opened the door. I was like, here are your suitcases. Have a great day. She was like, you're bleeding from the head. I was like, oh, I, I think I'm fine. So much blood pouring out of my head. She was like, please, like, let me call you an ambulance. You need to get to the A&E. You need to get to the emergency room. So I got to the emergency room. I was, they did all kinds of tests. I didn't know my name. I didn't know my birthday. (laughs) And the whole time I'm like, what am I doing? Like, what am I possibly doing? And I was like, you know what? I'm never going to do, I'm never going to do that again. I'm like, this is crazy. Like me, you know, like this company's crazy. This is crazy that I'm doing this. Like I belong in an office. I don't belong like delivering bags. And so we agreed that I would do that. And then, of course, I think it was like three days later, one of our drivers again kind of canceled last minute. And there I was like back at the airport delivering bags. I think that was one of my craziest moments. That's a story of persistence right there. Holy smokes. Talk about moving the, the ball of the mountain and then getting smashed in the face by it and bleeding. I'm trying to imagine myself as your customer and having like opening the door and seeing you just bleeding, but handing me my suitcases. That's got to be one of one of the stranger things, not just for you, but for them. This this service, I mean, they really do put blood, sweat and tears into it. And I think you probably poured all three of those into making that delivery happen. That's amazing. So in terms of a new COO moving into a new company, what advice would you give them as someone who has delivered bags with blood dripping down your head? Okay, I have a couple of thoughts. The first I would say is if you if you haven't gone to the company yet, I do think it is really, it sounds, maybe it sounds obvious, but I do think it's really critical to find a CEO that you really, that you trust and respect and that you work very well with. Um, I think like this job, especially in a startup, I think it is really challenging. I think it would be really challenging if you did not have that. Um, like with my, the CEO that I work with right now with Sam, we have a very like direct communication line. We, um, we have, there's a lot of trust between us. Like I am great at what he is not good at. He is great at what I am not good at. Like there's just, there's a lot of like give and take. And I just, I can't imagine, I can't imagine having that. I can't imagine not being able to speak directly um, to each other. Um, and to have that kind of trust. Um, so I think that's the first thing I would say, like before you even take the role, don't take the role if you don't if you don't feel like you have that um, kind of or that you could have that kind of relationship. The next thing I would say is, to the extent possible, I do think your the ability to try to connect with other COOs. I, th- I think you'll really benefit from connecting with other COOs. And you know, I was telling you before, um, I in taking this job, I didn't know other startup COOs, and and I and I felt like I, I was really like yearning for that advice. And so I wound up literally going on LinkedIn and you know searching like COO fintech, you know, COO travel, COO tech, um, and cold messaging people. And I cold messaged probably like twenty people. Two people responded. They both gave me very different kinds of advice, but they at least gave me like some color for what the role would um, would look like. And I am not on COOs, but I wound up creating in the pandemic. I created a group of um, female co-founder, female founders, and a Slack group. And I have found we do a monthly call, and I have found that that is one of the most helpful things because 
whether you're the COO or CMO or CTO or CEO in a startup, I think like being in a startup and being in an early stage startup is can in some ways, wherever you sit in the company, it can feel kind of isolating. It can feel um, like really overwhelming. And as we've been discussing, the ambiguity can just be overwhelming at times. And I think like being around, but you're, you're never, um, you're not the first person to do this. And so like being around other people, having the benefit of their advice and experience um, and their wisdom is kind of everything. And actually a third thing I would say kind of off of that is do not reinvent the wheel. I think I spent so much time in my first six months in this role, you know, recreating everything, like designing processes, designing a hand, you know, an employee handbook, doing research, like what is the best employee handbook? What is the best, um, like what are the best rejection emails? I'm creating like my template of like of, of emails through the recruiting process um, and spending so much time and research on that. And the fact is, the, all of these documents are out there. They already exist. You, know, you, can, you, should, you can and should tailor them for your company and your culture and what's right. Um, but a lot of this stuff exists. There are templates for budgets. There are templates for quarterly reporting for your investors. There are templates for employee handbooks. Um, so don't, you know, don't, um, don't recreate that wheel. Talk to your investors. They'll often be able to share templates like that. Talk to other COOs. Talk to other people in startups and get as much of that as you can. Just don't don't waste. There's there's so much ambiguity in a startup, and so much of your job will be in ambiguity where there are no answers and there is no roadmap. There's no playbook. There is no template. Um, so for the stuff that does have templates, for the more traditional operational stuff, you utilize those templates that are out there. Great advice. So make sure there's a good fit with your COO. You have to be the yin to their yang. And then also, uh, don't recreate the wheel. It's similar to great engineers. Great engineers will go and find open source libraries and integrate those so they don't have to build them again or find managed services. So exactly. there you have it. I'm actually, Michael, I'm going to add one last thing. I would say I found this to be true yeah. as a chief of staff, and I think this is very true as in the COO role too. I do think your ability, like however large or small your company is, whatever your managerial responsibilities are, I think your ability to truly understand your people in the company and what makes them tick and what motivates them is, I think, especially in the CEO role, is everything. Because at the end of the day, you're in a startup, you need to make shit happen and you you need to make it happen fast. And um, you can't, no one is going to do that alone. And so I think your ability as the COO to support the CEO and getting the team to work effectively together is everything. You know, communication and collaboration are always, are never going to be easygoing. And so it's critical to really understand people and to know how to um, like politically like network within your own um, company to make things happen and get stuff done. But you just, you, you need to know your people. And that is different than playing politics. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Right. Well, Allie, thank you very much. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, where can people go to learn more about Simply Wise and, and keep up with you? Um, check us out. We're at simplywise.com um, or in the App Store or the Play Store. Um, and please always feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I love to connect. Thanks for listening to Between Two COOs. I'm your host, Michael Koenig, and a very special thank you to our guest, Ali Flater, for joining us. Tune in next time for our next COO chat on Between Two COOs, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. Just visit Between Two COOs for more. And if you have a minute, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell others about the show so they can get great advice from phenomenal COOs. Thanks for listening, and until next time, so long.